Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for July 18th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red boxes to sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm with your host, it's your old pal, Mike Spears. Joining alongside, as always, Case Low and Case. It's 110 outside. Oh. Like, it's... I, I, I should expect it now, but it, it's 110. That's unpleasant, and I like the heat. Yeah, it, it, it's something where I... I don't know how over like basically half my life spent here and then coming back that my body completely just goes like, Oh, this is awful. What are you doing? But it, it, it's on Texas. No, no surprise there. No, no, that's uh that's terrible. It's quite comfortable in Chicago. We, you know, we continue to battle poor air quality. Thanks to our brethren up North in Canada, which I'm not blaming them for. It sucks for them as well, but uh, it's not one ten, So I've got to be thankful. Hey, it's one of those things. I, I get excited because you know what I'm getting this weekend? 95. That's huge. That it, it actually changes a whole lot of things because, like, I get up a half hour early. I mean, global warming. I get up a half hour early so I know that I can walk my dog before the, the pavement gets hot. Yeah. You know, you, you just have to because it's going to be 95 by 9 a.m. right now. That's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. Well, that's. Do you want to talk? I was going to have a really fun uh, segue here oh, into King and, of Gate talk, and, and, but I completely... Know, I, I feel like it, it's King of Gate season. We've got to be on our A game. I know. We have to determine Dragon Gate's number one championship. We're in the second week of King of Gate. Uh, we have a Elite Eight that we'll get to in a moment. We're going to spend the entirety of this program talking about the, the four shows that made up the second week of King of Gate. Of course, it was Aichi... Kyoto, uh, Madoka Kakuda's hometown, Ka- Kanazawa, and ending up in Saitama. But like we did last week, 
we're going to lead off this episode before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, before we talk about what all happened. You might not have had a chance to get to uh, watch all of these things up on the Dragon Gate Network and on the Dragon Gate YouTube, but we're going to make it easy for you. Case, what are your spoiler-free recommendations for week two of King of Gate? I'll make it really easy. There's four shows here. I, I'm, I have one match from each show that I think is worth going out of your way to see, well worth your time. That is Yuki Oshioka versus Jackie Funky Kamei on July 14th. That is a YouTube upload on July 15th in Kyoto, which was a Dragon Gate Network show. I have Hugh, uh, uh, Hyo and Shun Skywalker versus Jackie Funky Kamei and KZ the next day, which was in K- or, I'm sorry, in Kakuta's hometown of Kanazawa. I would recommend watching Hyo versus KZ. That is a YouTube upload as is the match from July 17th in Saitama. That was D-Courage versus Big Boss Shimizu, KZ, and UT. So, Case, we have two, We have completely different lists this week. Like, uh, I, I, we're going to get into some wildness with this. So, from Aichi, I don't recommend anything. Aichi was there for me. Like, uh, it, it was what it was. Uh, Kyoto, I recommend this eight-man tag, BB Hulk, Kota Minora, uh, Minorita with uh, uh, with Ryo Yatsunaka versus Ultimo Dragon, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Mochizuki Jr. Along with, and I feel like that I'm going to have to get into like a really compelling argument for this one when we, when we talk about it. Big Boss Shimizu versus Yazushi Kanda from that show. Uh, Kanazawa, I really liked, and I know I'm on a ledge here, I really liked Kakuda versus Yoshioka case. I... I, I was notebook on that, and we'll get oh, into that. Oh my god! Okay. And then for Saitama, uh, the, the six man tag, really, yeah. It, it, the, this was kind of for me at least. We had the hot opening week, of course. Starts starts off of Corkin, and you go to Osaka, and around the loop. This week was kind of a quieter one. I felt like. Yeah, well, you've got you've got three YouTube shows and a Kyoto show, so mm-hmm. you're not exactly you know, coming guns blazing on the Dragon Gate Network going, you know, here's what you need to watch this big show, this big match, this big main event. There there was big stuff here with, you know, some of your top stars, obviously Kakuta in his hometown, UT in his hometown, uh, Dragon Kid in KBS Hall, which I, I don't know that you know, Dragon Kid singles match in a main event feels like a big deal to me. And then uh, that Saitama show, which which was loaded in terms of the King of Gate match of uh, now spoilers commencing. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. Ishin and Shuji Kondo, and then D-Courage versus Vibes. We'll circle back to match quality and King of Gate stuff here real quick, but kind of while we're on the topic of this weekend as a, as a whole, I want to mention 368 fans in Nagoya. This is not the big Nagoya building that Noah just ran and that New Japan runs and that Drangit has done very, very well in. This is the smaller Nagoya City Sports Center, uh, 368 is the biggest number they've done in that building this year. I think this is the third time they've been there. 391 in Kyoto, which is their best number post-pandemic. And then 395 in Kanazawa. That was an overcrowded ticket stopped, which I believe is a, an English translation to a sellout there for the Madoka Kakuta homecoming show. 395 fans there. And then a 420 fans sellout in Saitama. On July 17th. So at the box office, post-pandemic, a very strong weekend of shows for Dragon Gate. Uh, you you said you had 390 for KBS. I saw 315. I have 391 on the company website. Oh, then the uh, Facebook is wrong. 
there for that. But no, that because I was about to say 391, they were not like getting above like 320 for a long time in that building. So 391 is a big jump for Kyoto, which is I know we've talked about it, but Kyoto seems to be lagging in comparison to the other regular stops. Yeah, just for reference, Cage Match has it at 312. But I am once again, I'm going to side with the Gaiora site here and go with 391 because i'm assuming cage match got it from the english page and the english yeah. page i think it's wrong here so 391 for kyoto uh if you see a varying number let me check pure so spirit real quick just to see what they have because they're normally the first ones to report it but yeah, i mean 391 is a is a great house there it always feels like you're right you know fukuoka can get a title match here and there kobe obviously home base big deal whenever they roll into osaka big deal cork and hall speaks for itself but Kyoto, if you were going to rank the tour stops, uh, the ones that make the Dragon Gate Network, it does feel like Kyoto uh, maybe doesn't get all the love they deserve. Yeah, and it, it it's something when you look across the rest of the weekend. Uh, with Kanazawa, you might see 395 looks like, uh, for, for a town that I feel like pops up a lot, it does not seem like that. But I I wonder if they if they think that it's worth next time that they go to Kanazawa looking for something a little bit bigger there because it looked cramped there. It did. It, it absolutely did. Whereas, you know, Saitama, the floor looked crowded, but there was obviously space behind that venue uh, with, you know, they've got basically a, a balcony set up there. Uh, but you're, you're right. The Kanazawa show at 395, that that looked like a, a full house at 395. Now, Puroso Spirit, just to backtrack to Kyoto here, they also have 312. I, again, I'm going to side with the Kyoto website. It's not a big deal one way or another. It's a difference of 80 fans, but I will I will acknowledge what the company reported directly on the website, which is 391. Yeah, and uh, just before we get into like the overarching things of the weekend, I think when you like look at this, and especially at least going through the lineups, it was a case that you had all of the names but it did not seem like you were other than the tournament stuff we we got a lot of stuff that was interesting but not always the stuff that like you know in these kind of loops that you you would think that you're going to burn stuff with no you're going to have as we'll get into this later soccer Chikawa doing a binke gimmick well, well, well you, you get a you get that kind of stuff to fill out the remainder of the cards and you know i i think i'm all right with that given the fact that we still are problem we're still well over a month out or two months out from dangerous gate so it's fine with me that it's all tournament stuff and it's not hurting kakuda no no the, the you know king of gate is going to be the draw here it was the draw here i i am finding this tournament well not being loaded with great matches after you know great match after great match which i think there's an idea that that king of gate always is that and it certainly is when it's block play but being in a single elimination tournament you have fewer chances for great matches. We did have a loaded Cork and Hall show, you know, KZ, Eita, Shimizu, Skywalker, Kakuta, Mochizuki. And what we got here over the course of this weekend was three different tournament matches that I had at, I'm sorry, two tournament matches that I had at three and three quarter stars. And then a bunch of stuff that I thought was pretty enjoyable. So I'm, I'm into King of Gate. Uh, John Hernandez on VoicesOfWrestling.com has a great write-up of the first round, everything you need to check out, his thoughts on it. I always really like when John writes about Dragon Gate. He does a very good job. So I I'm into the tournament. I can see, you know, it's it it's 2023 Dragon Gate. It's all uh, uh, about what your expectations are. And if you watch this product 
going, well, it's not 2016, so it must not be any good. Well, then you're probably not going to enjoy it because it's a different format and they're trying to accomplish different things here. I think the in-ring quality has been very good. And Mike put a match in his notebook that I didn't think was that good of a match. So uh, there's clearly something here for everybody. Yeah, and a lot of things are happening across these shows, e- even with people outside of the tournament. Uh, Case, we, uh, you have this in our run sheet as keep an eye on. We did this last week. Th- these are just kind of ongoing topics going going through this tournament. And the first one here, Case, it comes from Aichi. Uh, there was, the, of course, it being uh, UT's hometown, and this one really was focused around UT and not as much on the, an overall Nagoya area hometown show. He finally entered the King of Gate tournament with a match against Hio. Hio won that one in his hometown. It was a Neko Tamashi coming from that and kept on picking up some losses over the weekend. UT's in an odd space right now. Well, UT is in a space where he loses match after match after match. And this has been the case since he returned from injury at Dead or Alive this year, which obviously was in his hometown. And there was, you know, a a conversation that you and I had where, you know, it's UT and he's returning at Dead or Alive. And you thought, you know, well, maybe he maybe he gets a win. Maybe they they run with him off of injury because he was so good before he got hurt. And they have done the opposite. UT has not won a single match since returning. The matches that he's been on the winning side of have either been natural vibes uh, versus some rookie teams or natural vibes versus various six-man teams that have been building up Jason Lee for what was his Brave Gate match at Kobe World. There's been no match that UT has scored a pinfall or submission in since returning. We're three months, almost two and a half months at this point, into that return. He lost in his hometown to Hyo. Real quick about that match, I want to hear your thoughts on it, because I thought it was really solid. It lost a little bit towards the end. Like, they were—it's something where I find Hio very interesting right now. Like, this guy has found a reason for for essentially a middle field player to always take King of Gate time and kind of change things up with it. For me, it's just—it was something where, like— it. You got a bunch of decent brawling and then rolling with, towards the Bianyave that UT was working really strong too. But then towards the finish, it just kind of lost. I was only three on it. I was a little, I, I was pretty let down on the match, to be honest. Okay, I was three and a half here. I, I was really into what Hyo did this entire weekend. I, I, I liked this match and I loved his match against KZ, which we'll, we'll get to as we get throughout the show. But nevertheless, regardless of match quality, which again, I was a little bit more into than you, but that could just be me for the first time in a long time, quite honestly, going like, all right, let's dig into these Hyo matches. You know, there's really something here. It it was a little shocking to see UT go down again, again, losing to Hyo in his hometown. Had he won, it would have set up KZ versus UT, Natural Vibes versus Natural Vibes on July 16th. We did not get that. But with all of these losses, we have to ask ourselves now, and this is why we have to keep an eye on UT going into the future, let's say through Dangerous Gate, what does his road to recovery, if there is one, looks like? You know, he is, uh, of the six guys in Natural Vibes, I think he would be sixth on the totem pole. He is their loss post, but he's also UT, and he has a little bit of respect, and he has a little bit of tenure. He celebrated 10 years in wrestling this year. I guess his debut will be on August 30th, so we're coming up on that. 
and he's getting beat like a drum, which is a, a bit of an oddity in Dragon Gate. You don't always see stuff like this. So I will throw the big question at you because I think this is the jumping off point here. Are we approaching a scenario in which UT could be a heel, let's say, by the end of this year? So with UT, I feel like we have to take a step back and acknowledge the macro picture with him first before we talk about heel turns and character changes. This is someone who not a lot of people might not pick up on this, or if you're someone that, you know, you dip in and are out, UT's on a decade in wrestling now. And when you take a look back and you take the macro perspective, look at the 10 years, Case, what's the one defining thing can you say about UT's career? He's hurt all the time. And I think that is something that they gave him such a runway after having such bad injury issues coming out of millennials. Like remind ourselves, he did not go anywhere until tri Vanguard and late into tri Vanguard. So we're talking several years of which injury time and just working the undercard. And well, let's, let's sort of, let's sort of paint that picture real quick. You know, what's the timeline of UT's career? He's supposed to debut in, either what late 2012 or early 2013 they they work the angle where he gets taken in the middle of the night and goes to mexico comes back again august of 2013 with the millennials that's him and t-hawk and ata and then soon to be rocky lobo and flamita and you know i i always would love to know what ut's career would have looked like had flamita not existed because it was t-hawk and ata and ut as the dominant trio and then very quickly it became t-hawk and ata and also Flavita. And then you have your 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 second tier of millennials there. And I mean, God, you know, think about his career post millennials, Mike. I mean, there's there's two years there where he's just completely a completely factor. Completely gone. He, and then, he was he was Sarah Forel's favorite wrestler. And I used to make fun of Sarah for because I was like, I I don't think he's gonna be here next year. Like you're posting his cute outfits from the Kobe World Presser. Enjoy it while it lasts. I think he'll be out of wrestling. And that, you know, sure enough, I've been wrong this entire time. But even after the wilderness wandering phase, you know, you, you still had Tri Vanguard into the three-way generation war, and he still was picking up these injuries that I'm of a belief that they gave him a shot. In 2018, Tri Vanguard going into Natural Vibes still has a bit of an injury kind of thing. And maybe he's just going to be a kind of slot in that Kness role, which sucks for someone of his ability and of his age. But I don't know if the company, like, he's only 29 case. That's, that's the wild That's thing. disgusting. I can't that, believe that. Yeah, he does not turn 30 until September. Ugh. He will cross 10 years as a pro wrestler before he turns 30. So... I just wonder, and this isn't a thing where I wonder if it's like, oh, maybe greener pasture thing. This is someone that, when you like look at the the you look at the wrestler file of UT, if it's not the the second thing you say about UT, it's probably I'd be stunned. Is that this guy is one of the most injured people on the roster the last ten years? They might not just think that they could put any faith in someone that that has that has these pronounced health issues and have this injury history it sucks ut is my favorite wrestler in ring on the roster case and i just don't think that it's something that it might be like like kness where 
they every couple of years that they get behind him for a little bit and they ride him until another injury happens. But I just can't like expect like the, them to have a to have big plans for him, this guy anymore. It's been ten years. If you want to see darkness, look at UT's cage match profile and 2017. He returned from injury Kobe World Week and he was gone for just about a year, and then he comes back and up through the trial series they do with him at the very end of the year that I, that gets him into try Vanguard. I mean that, you know, he's, he's a five-year vet at that point working dark matches and exhibition matches, and it's just a career going nowhere. And then, you know, he ends up becoming the real bright spot of try Vanguard. I, I've talked about it before. There's the trio of him in Maria and Kagatora who are all kind of doing nothing in a unit that was, you know, just, you know, a, a burden on our existence and then all of a sudden they started wrestling these really fun trios matches. And that was the first time that I ever bought into UT as a wrestler. And then from there you have the tour the, the generational war, which he was a great member of team dragon gate. You have the super Shisa match, which obviously turned a lot of heads and, and thank you to our, our listener of the podcast who not only won, talked to super Shisa a few months ago and passed on that. We adore that match, which I, I believe Shisa greatly appreciated, but gave me a review of Shisa's new taco joint, which I've heard is excellent. Super Shisa back in the restaurant game. Did you know that, Mike? Yeah, it's like at a food mart in Kobe, basically. I was was told it was a a much more appealing spot than his first go around. This actually, this is like a happening location. Yeah, it looks like, at least from where I live, like the big things have been food halls. Like everyone, you have like little stalls and like breweries come there like this. It looks like he's like in a version of that. And he has like three tacos. He has a special beer that he's serving there. I saw. That's fantastic. I might break edge for super Shisa, but nevertheless, you know, UT gets a ton of confidence out of that match. I've always held true to the belief and I have nothing to base this on other than just, I've watched a lot of this guy wrestle low effort matches I genuinely think Ultimo Dragon likes wrestling this guy because Ultimo always seems to try a little bit harder when he's in the ring with UT. But it's it, Kness is the perfect comp because not only did they wrestle a similar style, but Drangate is stuck in this rock and a hard place where you have this tremendously talented wrestler. Anybody with eyes could see how talented he is, but he's unreliable. And I don't know if this losing streak is a part of a greater plan where they turn him heel, a la maybe Kness going to Matt Blanky. Or if this is just the reality of it is, hey, you know, you weren't around. We needed you for six months. You weren't there. Get beat like a drum. We'll shuffle the units in a little bit and see where you end up. I I, I would like to think, and maybe it's just the optimist in me and being such a supporter of UT, I would like to think, okay, maybe there's something to this. Maybe he's losing for a reason. I talked about last week, you know, I would be stunned if Hyo doesn't follow in Diamante's footsteps and turn face and join that unit, not only because those two guys are boys behind the scenes, but also I just think Hyo needs a refresh. I could certainly buy into the concept of a heel unit of, you know, Shun and Ishin and UT, and I still think Yoshioka is the long-term play there, but that seems, you know, relatively realistic to me. Especially with how mean Yoshioka was against poor JFK in that tournament match. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, it's something where I think with UT, like, I hate saying the Kness gloves, but I really do think that if the company wants to see, like, hey, can you not get hurt for a year? And, And that sounds cold and callous. 
but no, it was, I it was think... his it was his 2022 until he got hurt at the very end of the year. Yeah. So yeah, that that was the year of good health and and fortune and and natural vibes and going like, all right, here we go. This is his year. And then December comes around and he gets hurt and he missed the first six months of this year, first five months of this year. Yeah, so until he's able to, and, and you know, it's something where he's had those shoulder issues pretty much since millennials, and, and and now he's picking up knee things. It's just really hoping that he gets that consistency before I can do this. But him as a, like a little bit of a heel prickish maestro in like a shoon unit, I think is fun. I think that there's a lot of stuff with the, the idea of playing of that he is undersized, but he is the most... He is perhaps the best technical wrestler in the company. It has, I think there's some meat on that bone. I feel like th- there's a chance to almost replace the void of Kaito Ishida there, where it- it's a it's a hard-hitting junior heavyweight, and he doesn't have the size and the muscle that Ishida had, but I still feel like, hey, you know, UT can throw a middle kick, and, and that's probably going to do him some good if he turns heel. And-, and the reason that I think this is so interesting, the reason that for all intents and purposes we're starting the show with it, is... It's been a decade. I mean, it's been since the very first matches of UT's career since we've seen him work heel. I can't think of a time in Tribe Vanguard where we were like, oh, yeah, UT's really showing some edge. I mean, it certainly was in the Drangi generation. We haven't seen it in Vibes. You have to go back to those early, early Millennials matches, which, again, at this point are 10 years old, to really see something like that from him. Yeah, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on in the future. Kyoto, the one network show we had, the one net show we got in full this weekend, we had a a kind of a what would normally seem like a pretty by the books opener. Yamato Kagatora and Kaito Nagano going against uh, Madoka Kakuda, Dragon Daya, and Hoholun. So you have two guys who are kind of affiliated with each other. Decourage, of course, naturally, you have the former. Uh, High end along with a undercarder, but we had an interesting result here as Ho Ho Loon won the match, Pen Nagano with his Michinoku driver variant case. It's something where you, you get a little bit of Ho Ho and they put him in an opener and he gets a pen here and it makes you wonder like, should we keep an eye on this? First of all, this match had no right to go as hard as it did. I was so impressed by this opener. They just really like went for it in that and it was something where Yamato was not necessarily the one putting the shift in but the other five guys did yeah no that was that was highly enjoyable just sort of one of those matches that jumped off the paper in a way that I wasn't expecting uh like you said it was Diane Kakuta and Hoho versus Kagatora Nagano and Yamato Nagano was gone for what a month yeah I didn't wrestle at all in June and Man, I didn't realize I missed him until he came back on these shows. And what a breath of fresh air he is. Yeah, and he is, we were speaking about anniversaries with uh, UT. Nagano's coming up on one year. And it's something where there's still the little things about him that like need to get ironed out. But each time he's on there, it's like, oh, this is a very special wrestler who does things in a different kind of way. And I just hope he gets that time to develop it because it's there. It's there. It's just getting the reps at this point. 
Yeah, absolutely. But he is not the guy that we need to keep an eye on. Everybody knows to keep an eye on Kaito Nagano. The guy we need to keep an eye on here is Ho-Ho Loon, who scored the pinfall in this match. And it was over Nagano. And we're kind of left in a position now where this could look foolish a week from now. This could be absolutely nothing. This could be a thank you to Ho-Ho. This could be a lot of different things that are ultimately inconsequential. But I look at the result here. I look at the upcoming Kobe show and what he's doing there, which is a six-man tag. It's the it's the Kung Fu Masters, Jason, Jackie, and Ho-Ho versus Dragon Kid, Naruki Doi, and Punch Tamanaga. And I think, wait a minute. Are we, are we heading towards a Kung Fu Masters Open the Triangle Gate Championship Challenge? Because, you know, this was a unit that, that was pretty prevalent in 2022 2023 they've been really de-emphasized i mean even at world you know jason was wearing his natural vibes gear and not his kung fu masters gear it seems like this is the time where maybe they could turn this unit back on for a minute yeah and it's something with hoho at least like they had a trio but then you also had jason being brave gate champion so you weren't really able to do a whole lot and then and then uh uh super senlong three was hurt so it was something that you, you really couldn't do a whole lot with them. But with that, I mean, JFK's, I mean, this isn't a, the, the, this now we're in the spoiler talk. He's out of the tournament. Jason's out of the tournament. I mean, who's to say like that the next time that we see uh, in Kobe, I know the card for the end of the month is already out though, but who's to say that we don't see a Kung Fu Masters pen set up a, triangle gate match in kobe sometimes it's been a while since they've had a kobe title match and i could see them before the end of the year having a kung fu masters versus uh gold class uh trios a uh, triangle big gate match at kobe sumbo hall yeah yeah so they've got this show on saturday the 22nd that's at the kobe art center and the next month they are back in sambo hall that's saturday august 26th that's sunday the next day is doy's homecoming show so i don't know it feels like there might be something there and this is the first year in a while that we're not getting Nara on the network. Oh, that's oh, that's too bad. Yeah. But uh, someone also keep an eye on, but probably for different reasons than Ho-Ho and UT. Someone we keep our eye on a lot, Case. Shun Skywalker, a lot of announcements have come out over the last week. DG and USA is back on, especially with the All-Star Junior Festival happening in the United States. Both uh, him and dragon kid announced for that but it so happens that also during this time that shun skywalker is gone he's going to be out apparently for dangerous gate so shun skywalker being gone zebrats now essentially down to hyo kai ishan during that time are we getting closer to that heel shakeup case i i certainly think it at least has to be has to be mentioned that Shun is going to be gone for a month. He's going to be gone, you know, it looks like mid-August through uh, mid-September, to my knowledge. And if I'm wrong, I can come on here next week and, and explain. But to my knowledge, he's going to be gone from Dangerous Gate. It, it's odd, you know, when you lose Shun, for as good as Kai is, for as good as Ishin has been and certainly can be, and, uh, you know, with Hyo being Hyo, all of a sudden that heel unit, looks pretty light and they, I don't think they're going to have the time uh, nor desire to do anything in the build-up to dangerous gate. I still feel like they have vibes versus zebrats unit disbands in their back pocket. 
And I just wonder with Diamante coming into the fold with a possible shakeup with UT, with a possible shakeup with Casey, just continuing to tread water as the leader of vibes. You know, what could be coming here? And we have to keep an eye on Shun because he's going to be abroad. He's going to be back in Japan. It just feels like things could change based on one single man touring the globe. And I, if you watch all the shows, they really started to kick back up Z-Brats on the house shows versus Natural Vibe. Shun attacked Jason right after one match just because. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, that I, I would be stunned if we see the dissolution of one of those units and it's not at the hands of the other. I, I have been very vocal about keeping Z-Brats together. I just think the the branding of that unit works, even if I think we need to shift out the members, you know, have Hyo turn face, have Kai turn face, really put a lot of pressure on Ishin to succeed, get Yoshioka in the mix, maybe get UT in the mix. But I, I like Zebrats there, but then you also have to worry about natural vibes. And as we talked about with Jay a month ago, you know, fans are looking for familiar things to get them back to buildings. Natural vibes is very familiar. You know, Drangate is a, is a promotion based off of trust with the roster departures and with just the change of the world over the last three years. That fan base has had a lot of trust eroding. If they could trust that, that natural vibes is going to be in the building doing the dance all of a sudden they might feel a little bit more comfortable buying a ticket. So not only is that the biggest unit disbandance match they have, just because those two units now at this point have a rich history with one another. I, I feel like it's, you know, that match would be monumentally huge. I mean, that would be one that I would hope you could match the Miyahara and Nakajima number at Cork in a 1500. Uh, if they did vibes versus Zebrats unit disbands. Yeah, and I, I guess the thing that I look at, and it's almost exactly the same situation that happened last year of Shun being gone at Dangerous Gate, I wonder if you do a tease of who's around in an, in an all-out war to lead up to that at Dangerous Gate. So you can do the all-out war at Dangerous Gate and then do this bands the next month. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded 
by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, that would certainly intrigue me. That's something that I would I would really like to see. So it, it should be an interesting month for Shun. You know, I, I, I was delighted post-Kobe uh, to use a term that I don't like, a term that annoys me. It seems like Shun Skywalker has finally gotten his flowers. You know, I, I think there's now a general understanding among those in the know that this is one of the best wrestlers in the world. We've been saying it since 2021 that, you know, hey, there's there's just not a lot of guys better than this guy. Last year, I, I routinely said he is the best wrestler in the world, not named Will Ospreay. I certainly think he has to be in that conversation yet again this year as not only a top 10 wrestler in the world, but as a top five and realistically an argument to be made that he's a top three guy in the world. He'll have another chance in the U.S. this year. Let's talk about that briefly. Shun and Dragon Kid announced for the All-Star Junior Festival. Like you said, uh, Shun versus Kevin Blackwood booked for prestige. That is a tasty little match, Mike. Yeah, and Blackwood was the guy last year that he had that little series with SB Kento where I felt like Blackwood and Alec Price were like the two guys that it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna make friends and bring them home, those were the two guys. But him versus Skywalker, especially in Prestige and Skywalker working such Rudo, I think that's a very interesting matchup. Not yeah, what I, I would expect for that kind of thing. I, I'm really into it. I, I like Kevin. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a very smart wrestler. So I, I'm excited to see what he does there. I would really like to see Shun versus Brian Keith at some point. Brian Keith continues to impress me every single time I see him wrestle. Uh, I, I think I've I think I've said this on this show. Maybe not. But you know, I talked to Brian Keith in January because I was working on something that was going to be related to SB Kento being in North America as I tug my collar and think about some of the quotes that wrestlers gave me and how things worked out there. Uh, but I, I talked to Brian Keith about working with the Dragon Gate guys. And, you know, he was, he basically was very open about being in a position where he's like, look, I don't, I don't know if I have the look that anybody in Japan will ever want to book me there, but I love essentially being the gatekeeper for the Japanese guys that come over. He takes that as a great honor. So with the work he's doing and with the work Shun is doing, I would really like to see that match. And then we uh, we also have the unfortunate news that Dragon Kid will be working Game Changer Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just... Yeah, Dragon Kid is working Look, Game I, Changer. I, this, yeah. so talk, talk about something else. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or not. I, I, I have on very good authority that Yamato was not impressed with Game Changer and compared to the other indies he worked was kind of like, uh, they're... 
you know, they're the biggest. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, did did not necessarily love his time there. I, I I've sat on that for a year now. I think I can finally say it. So yeah, uh, it's it's you know they're they're the biggest. That's where they have to work if Drangate is going to make an imprint in the U.S. yet again. But boy, you think about some of the wrestlers in Game Changer that have been wrestling for a very long time that don't have anywhere near the polish dragon kid has uh that should be interesting i really hope we i really hope it's not like dragon kid versus ninja mac that would suck so much god yeah it, i i guess like the thing that i would love to be able to it, 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 if they were willing to pick the mind of yamato and dragon kids have seen the highs and the lows of the us indies like did, did you think that it, it might be something that's like oh I remember when we had like 2000 people in Chicago Ridge for the first time I was here. And now I'm at the, the this uh, former casino. OK, well, he's seen it all. I mean, you know, he worked WCW. He, he was on some of the very first Ring of Honor, you know, uh, Dragon Gate shows. He was, you know, the staple of Dragon Gate USA the first year. Dragon Kid is as interesting of a guy to talk to about Dragon Gate in America as anybody with maybe the exception of Shima, you know, because think about it, when they went to the UK, oh, Dragon yeah. Kid was on all those shows. He was on the Open the Spain Gate show. He was on the Open the German Gate show. You know, he's been, he's been everywhere. And, it, you know, it kind of goes to my, my point that I made, I think it was last week, where we really just have to re-examine Dragon Kid historically and, and the value that he's brought to wrestling. Yeah, I, I think it's something that... I you see like shoe pro or like the directories that come out and I don't think that it's something that has like crossed over as much how influential Dragon Kid is as a wrestler especially natively in Japan and that's something that you know for international or western facing hall of fames I think that that's something that kind of gets missed just because of the cultural differences and like the differences in, in public and public and private life and wrestling in Japan versus America. But it's one of those things Dragon Kid might be the most, in, with the exception of Shima, might be the most influential wrestler ever come out of Dragon Gate. Uh, Dragon Gate. Like, bar none. The, the Joshis from, love him, right? He's the one that, like, almost to a person in the stardom locker room at a time, I don't know if it's necessarily as much the case anymore, but it was the case two or three years ago that almost to a person like Mayu Atani down. And I say, like, how did you get into wrestling? It's like, Oh, Dragon Gate came to my hometown and I saw Dragon Kid and Dragon Kid became my favorite wrestler. Well, where are the Joshi perverts to talk about Dragon Kid? I got to waste all this time talking about stardom cork in attendance. Can we at least talk about the Dragon Kid influence? Something interesting. Oh, it's it, like, it's almost like, I know Azumi also Dragon Kid. Hazuki, interesting enough, uh, was Kelly Kelly was her favorite wrestler. <laughs> that's that was up. one. That, that's awesome. <laughs> that, that, that was something that whenever I was like, that's based. That's based. That, there's nothing to change there. But that's the same energy as Shimizu's favorite wrestler being Kevin Nash. Exactly. Exactly. But it, it, it's something about Dragon Kid that I really hope that like it somehow gets imparted, like just like the influence, like and that's not all, and that's not to mention the Dragon Rana. That's not to mention Bible, like the moves that kind of. In, in a lot of ways revolutionized wrestling and and i mean even within like the observer awards the dragon rana won move of the year like the most before this before the melter driver became a thing like dragon rana won like two years two or three years in a row 
Yeah, it's almost it, longevity. Almost has done him a disservice when you. Yes. Let, let, well, let's let's have the conversation of it. Let's frame it as you know the 100 greatest wrestlers of all time because you and I, you know, Mike. It's been three years since we started having those conversations, and you know we're coming up on 2026, which I know people want to do another greatest wrestler ever poll then, but. I, you know, I highlighted Dragon Kid's longevity not too long ago, but when I think about it now, okay, his best match was September of 2002. So we're at 20 years, 21 years since his peak, and he's been just as good ever since. But I don't think you can point to a match in the 2010s. I mean, I have a Dragon Kid match at five stars from 2011. But if you were going to, if somebody asked you, hey, Mike, what's the Dragon Kid match from the 2010s, what are you going to say? I would say go find the five-year old version of 33106. Five-year old version of 33106. What's that? Oh, I'm saying that you, you, you go find and watch the match that's five years old and say it's Oh, from I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, I, yeah. I, was, I was like, wait, did they do that match in 2011? Because I would want to no. see that, but no. <laughs> shit, they should have. Um, Sorry, my joke failed there. No, no, I didn't no, that's, okay. no, that that's okay. That was, I just, I, my mind went crazy for a second. I was like, wait, did they do that rematch in Japan? I didn't know about it. Um, Because I would say, you know, Shima and Ricochet versus Pac and Dragon Kid from World 2011. I think that's one of the very best tag matches of all time. But that's a tag match, and you know people's eyes are going to be pulled towards Shima, and then obviously what Pac and Ricochet do there. I, I don't know if I just saw that the um, the the account that has the bogus Kota Ibushi quotes they they posted a gif of Dragon Kid and Ricochet from 2011 that Brave Gate match in 2012 I think I was like oh yeah that match that match is really good I I wish more people would watch that because then I think they would get Dragon Kid a little bit more. And that even that even that match is 10 years old. And again, it's not like he's got periods of his career where there's just nothing there. Every year, it's a four and a half star match here and a four to quarter star match here. But he doesn't have that defying match post 2006, you know, the six man. It just hasn't been there the last 15 years. And now that almost works against him from a longevity argument. Yeah, and it's something where I think actually like that this is the barrier working against it because when i think about wrestlers that would most appeal at least to like internationalize and at least how i perceive international wrestling is being consumed more and more dragon kids the flashy one dragon kids the one that like you have you have the dragon rana you even have him taken the world liner like there's a lot of stuff there that's like very compact very gifable very music video like but the, it's just not there and it was not like during a time period where dragon gate and and the barrier between uh dragon gate and japan internationally was sadly at some of the most opaque times of it so i wonder if that's also at play at all because i look at him and i go like oh god the, the, you put together like clips from 2010s matches only and you probably have one of the most outstanding wrestling music videos this side of i don't know the kodabushi crazy diamond one like you could do that it's just that there's that barrier i feel like so keep an eye on shooting skywalker as he wrestles in america this summer <laughs> yeah uh th this next one this was a match that i adored that i want to uh, i want to keep an eye on someone this was also from kyoto this was that Eight-man tag, uh, Gold Class and Ryoya Tanaka versus Ultimo and uh, the Mochizukis. Uh, 
a lot of interesting stuff there with Tanaka. Tanaka had a really strong performance there, and something that worth like keeping an eye on. It showed a lot of really easy chemistry with Gold Class, wouldn't you say? Okay, so I think we got to keep an eye on Roya Tanaka, and maybe, maybe Gold Class. I, I have a feeling that like we always say like, oh, put him in Gold Class, but like between X Diamante, a face turn Hyo. And Ryoya Tanaka case like that, that that instantly makes Gold Class the biggest unit on the roster. Like, but Ryoya Tanaka working well with Gold Class. You want to keep an eye on this? I absolutely want to keep an eye on this. I I love it. Makes sense when you really zoom out and think about it that the Drangate unit built around the most handsome men were like, well, I bet so and so could be in there. You know, I bet, I bet so and so could join Gold Class. Like, we have a surplus of guys that could join the handsome unit. That makes a lot of sense when you think about it, but. Mike, I'll let you take the wheel here because you were higher on the Kyoto match than I was. Now, I, I really liked it. I thought Tanaka was great. That's obviously why we're talking about him here. But talk about what impressed you in the ring from uh, the uh, Kyoto show over the weekend and specifically Tanaka. Well, in this match, uh, you had like an interesting workflow in this. Like first and foremost, uh, it was Hulk's birthday. They put they put up signs. He was very happy to see that. That was my first note I had on this match. But Tanaka got an opportunity, really, because Ultimo did not do anything in this match. Like, lo- like, like, let's do not, like, mince words here about this. Ultimo tagged in. He did the same hot tag that he does in every match, and then Susumu basically begged him to do the uh, mule kick. Like, it was a seven-person match for all intents and purposes. And Tanaka in this, you got to see him, like, him and Minorita, that is maybe a future Twingate team. I feel like there's just something there that is very easy with them in the way that it was like so obvious in retrospect that uh, Yuki Oshioka and Dragon Daya would make a good tag team. I kind of see a similar kind of thing with that with them. Junior was as as strong as Tanaka was in this match. Junior has been the heart of every M3K match since he's returned. He gets his shirt ripped off. He gets the crap kicked out of him. But the thing that really really put the stamp on it for me in this match was the closing section with him and Susumu Mochizuki it just was going uh, just overpowering uh Tanaka and until like Susumu was insistent on going for the Yokosuka cutter he kept on doing like a jumbo nokachi now I'm going to hit the Yokosuka cutter and he hit it in a way it's like there I hit the Yokosuka cutter I won and it, it was something where I really took the step back and Tanaka, we've only really, he's the newest person on the roster. He's the only new wrestler for 2023. This was the the performance where I kind of saw him mesh with the roster more so than just the rookie stuff. And it's and it's a big step forward, at least for me. Yeah, I don't have a ton more to add. This was, you know, one of those where you go away going, oh, that was the best performance he's had. And, and Tanaka, seemingly every time he's in the ring now, we leave with that thought. But this seemed to have a little bit more oomph a, a bit more of an impact than even the prior incarnations of, oh, that was the best he's ever looked before. Yeah, and it's showing him, like, outside of, like, the pure rookie vet thing that happened so much in Dragon Gate. Like, it, it's one of the best, it's one of my favorite things in the company, seeing Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji beat the crap out of someone who is now, we could say, younger than his son. But it is... The, the, that's a big stage that and that's a stage that you want to see these guys progress out of and this was kind of the first sign of him being ready to take that second step and that was really nice to see yeah and i, and I feel like with the very clear 
I guess, foreshadowing that this guy has a lot of charisma. You put him in gold class. You've got Minora and Minorita. You've got Ben. You can saddle him next to Hulk, and I don't think he's going to stand out. I, I, I think he'd be able to embrace that character, that gimmick very quick, even at this point in his career. Yeah, and with the way that gold class has changed and how much of the, an emphasis has been on the charisma of Benke and Minerita and Hulk a little bit, that is something that every single young guy needs to get. I mean, that's why JFK, we keep on going back to this, that's why Kamei was in Natural Vibes, for, has been in Natural Vibes for so long, was to understudy and learn from wrestlers like KZ and Geeky Horikuchi. I think being able to be in a unit like that would add a lot to Tanaka's playbook. And it would just be intriguing, but you still have, you know, obviously no unit for Fuda, no unit for Kato is still injured, no unit for Yanagiuchi, and and even Nagano, who's now been great for close to a year, no unit for him. Tanaka, the, the newest debut of all of those guys, if all of a sudden he slides into gold class, he's still going to be wrestling his classmates, his peers, his other youngsters, and that creates another interesting dynamic there. Oh, yeah. No, and it's something where now we have almost three years of future in a way. Like, if you yeah. want to if you want to add 2020 in there. So we have almost I, – I, if I wanted to go down the roster and go future, Trueborn, Torimon, future is now making up more a bigger and bigger percentage of the roster. And, you know, there's a pecking order. Like, the, the this company has made it abundantly clear over the years that there is a pecking order, and even amongst your classmates. And wonder how it feels like to be Ryu Fuda and – and have been dealing with all this and you get to see this new guy come around you know like there's a lot there he's very talented food is i just i i think it's gonna happen one of these days but it's it's not gonna happen anytime soon for him yeah well we were talking about gold class uh let's talk about the leader of gold class here and get a little bit more of a bigger picture king of gate thought we've been talking about all these shows we've really not talked a lot about the tournament we have an uh, we have an elite eight. We have a quarterfinals here, and coming out of the, the last weekend case, you you put this out here, so I want you to hear your case for this. Kota Minora, Kota Minora has coming up Yuki Oshioka and faces the winner of Dragon Daya and Hio going ahead on that side of the bracket. Do you think he's now like the favorite for that one half of the bracket and is now making a legitimate like claim? to be the overall tournament favorite over Shimizu? I don't think he is the favorite, but I do think he is the guy that is going to survive his side of the block. Like you said, it's Daya and Hyo. We'll get that match on July 29th. And then it's Minora and Yoshioka, which we'll get that match coming up here on July 23rd, this Sunday in Gifu, which is Kota Minora's hometown. We'll circle back to that because I'm very intrigued by the stakes there. On the other side of the bracket, and we'll talk about this when we uh, a little bit later, but Big Boss Shimizu and Sumia Koska, those guys will wrestle in Kobe this Saturday, as well as Kakuta and Kondo, who will also wrestle in Kobe on Saturday. So those are your Elite Eight. And if we're going by the theory that at least initially Shimizu was going to run through Shun and then run through Strong Machine J and then run through Ben K and then Kakuta, and then Minora, that would send him, you know, throughout the list of five of the Rewa six. I, I, I still think that is the realistic option here and the best option with Minora eventually eating the shot put slam in the middle of Cork and Hall uh, to end the tournament this year. Yeah, and 
when you look at Minora, he he gets Yoshioka, someone who's had his number consistently since uh, unmasking. And I think he's now on a three-loss singles lose streak to Minora himself, or, or to Yoshioka himself, if I'm right. So I, I, will, that, I will confirm that, but that sounds right. Yeah, I know it's at least King of Gate Finals and then main event Kobe World 2022, but it, 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 it's something there where Minora can essentially... That there is an argument here that we've been talking about Shimizu versus the Reiwa Six. What about Minora in the semi in the quarterfinals has a Yuki Yoshioka? Semifinals, Dragon Daya. You know who could come out of that uh right half of the bracket and end up being his finals opponent? Madoka Kakuda. Could we be talking about like him running through D Courage? Oh, that is interesting what i ooh okay all right that's fun i haven't thought about that that is interesting but then okay so the finals then is menorah versus kakuta so you've got to burn that in Corkin and then burn it again in oda city which granted you that's... get you get a month because dangerous gate eh, dangerous gates in august 20th it's a tough turnaround I, it, it's just something that now that I like see this now I'm going like yeah no that's two weeks turnaround but that could be a story at play here with these eight guys remaining I mean the only other uh, number three storyline is can Susumu uh, Mochizuki win the entire tournament without uh, actually having a match because that's the problem the cool- like I put all my chips in on Shimizu and now I'm like well what if he like hurt his heel or something and Susumu just makes it to the semifinals without wrestling? I'm so into Susumu. He was supposed to wrestle Diamante. Diamante goes home. He's supposed to wrestle Ben K. Ben K gets sick. All of a sudden, he's in the quarterfinals. He hasn't wrestled yet. Yeah, I mean, it, this is not like El Numero, the first El Numero, no, but hey, if it worked for Masaki Mochizuki getting double count out every single match before winning a battle royal to win the tournament, why not have, I mean, Shuji Kondo has a bad ankle. You know, we've already said something happens with Shimizu there. He's already in the finals. And what's to say that there's not a time limit draw between Dragon Daya and Kota Minora? God, that's so interesting. Him running through D-Courage. Now, I'm so, I think he beats Yoshioka in his hometown. Are, are you on the same page there? Well, it's also Yoshioka's hometown. That's the thing oh, about Gifu. Oh, is he Gifu. from Gifu too? Uh, uh, Gifu is like secretly the home of everyone in Dragon Gate. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, he is. You're right. Yeah. Okay, so that's a that's a huge match. Let me look and see what they did the last time they were in Gifu in that building. Because now I'm just, you know, this is one where, you know, you would think, okay, we've got to pop a number here. You know, big singles match in a tournament. Uh, so, hmm, is that the same venue now? I don't know the Gifu building very well. That's my only question is if they're running... Uh, the same spot they did or not. It doesn't look like it. I don't know this building that they're running if they've run it before as I'm kind of rifling through cage match here. They normally run the Bunka Center, but they are not running that for this show. They are running uh, a building, the Jiroku Plaza in Gifu City. Uh, do you have any recollection of them ever running this place before, Mike? I have never seen the Jiroka Plaza, Jiroku Plaza ever before. It looks like, okay, so they ran here in 2019, and they did 621 fans, main event, 
Eita, Hyo, Cosmo Sakamoto, and Diamante. Holy shit, this main event. Eita, Hyo, Cosmo Sakamoto, and Diamante versus Ryo Saito, Stalker Ichikawa, Ultimo Dragon, and Yasushi Kanda. You love to see it. Eight-man tag Whoa. match in the middle of the show. Oh, I gotta read this whole card. All right, hold on. Buckle up, Mike. We're going back to the cage match time machine here. Okay, you ready? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. This is October 26, 2019. Opening match. This sounds awesome. KZ and Susumu versus Jason Lee and Kaito Ishida. That's good stuff. Oh, yeah. No, nothing wrong there. I mean, that's maximum, too. Match number two. Big R Shimizu and Takashi Yoshida versus Martin Kirby and Naruki Doi. Yes. Yes. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> match three. BB Hulk, Kagatora, Yosuke Santa Maria, and Diablo versus Kaisuke Akuda, Coach Minoru, Masaki Mochizuki, and Yuki Yoshioka. Diablo is someone that used to pop up a lot in Dragon yes. Gate. Like, that, that was a, a name of, a, that there was the time that people would come to the dojo and they would train and they maybe would get like one match out, out of all this. Like, Diablo was one of the guys that I feel like always kind of popped up with that uh has uh, his last match uh was for gps heroes in may so he he's still at it you know uh he had a match with okay uh he had a match with the boogeyman but i don't think it's that one that he was going up against masato tanaka uh teamed with uh, uh big boss magma magtu kishiwada against shigeru irie and el brave at a red soul 10th anniversary show I've never heard of this promotion before in my life. That Wow, that was a lot of words you just threw at me. That was, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, Di- Diablo's been wrestling for almost 30 years. He debuted in 94. Gosh. I, I, I'm looking at this random show from uh, Fukuoka, the Yoshimoto Daiwa Securities Connect Theater. Uh, main event, Daisuke Sakamoto and El Lindemann defeat Shuichi Shikawa and Yuya Aoki. Uh, semi-main event, Ryuji Ito and Kuno, uh, Kushinbo Kamen defeat Toru Owashi and Konamao Ichikawa. God, that semi-main event's a tough watch. When, when was the show? This was uh, last year. This was 2022. Holy cow. Okay, all right. That's, that, I mean, that's you know, that main event sounds good. Um, okay, back at back in the world of Dragon Gate, just real quick. And then the show closed. It was uh, Ben K and Skywalker versus Dragon Kid and Yoshino. And then that eight-man tag main event that I mentioned, Eita Hyo, Sakamoto, and Diamante versus Ryo Saito, Stalker, Ultimo, and Kanda. So that show, which was pre-pandemic, did 621 fans. It's impossible to really take a guess as to what Minora versus Yoshioka would do because it's been four years. There's been a pandemic. You know, who knows what this looks like now, but we at least have something to base it off of which is the last time they were here, they did 621 fans. So that's very interesting to me. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm i looking at this Gifu card coming up, and I can't wait for the YouTube upload. <laughs> yeah, some this, this, this is a good show. Let's let's talk about this. It's uh, it's that match of the main event. It's Minora versus Yoshioka, King of Gate. And then do you want me to just run through this card real quick? Because there's some fun yeah. stuff here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, opening match, KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu, and UT versus Ben K, BB Hulk, and Minorita. Match number two, Madoka Kakuta and Dragon Dio versus Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kame. Put that on YouTube, Dragon Gate. Match number three is the old guys of M3K versus Genki, Problem Dragon, and who is that? Uh, is Kato back on the show? That is Yoshiki Kato I'm seeing right there. 
Holy shit, Kanto's back. Hell yeah. yeah. I didn't even notice uh, that. This podcast, I'll tell you what, this is this is something else. Yes, uh, Yoshiki Kato is back. I can tell that Pudge is excited. So am I. I am just now saying Kato is back this weekend. Yeah, uh, they, they should just stream this entire show from Gifu. Yeah, put this on the network. What the fuck? I, I don't know what a Dragon Lot is. Oh, that's Dragon Kid, probably. Dragon Kid, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have Yamato, Dragon Kid, Don Fuji, and Komamawa, Chikawa versus Zebrats. I'm that's here fantastic. for all this. All right. Th- this, is a, this is a loaded show. Let's get... Yeah, God, you could really put this whole show on the on the YouTube channel. Because I, I want to see everything from this show. Yeah, there's a whole lot with that here. And those are the things we, we want to keep an eye on moving on down towards the end of king of gate but we only have two shows that will be happening in king of gate next week but let's talk about the four that we just had they had a four-day run from aichi up to saitama let's just uh just big picture thoughts we we both said that we had a couple matches here that we like this was a little bit of a slower weekend but you know it, it this was like our second year really seeing this with like the youtube format and I really like the knockout format more than league play. I think I've come to that conclusion. I prefer league play just because there's more good matches there, but this is this has been an exciting year. You know, the, the tail end of the first round, there are a few matches that really could have gone either way, and because it's single elimination, the results of it really mattered. So even if there was nothing, uh, nothing that hit my spreadsheet, nothing that I would say, go, 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 you have to go see this, I like pretty much everything that happened this weekend. So let's go in terms of King of Gate. Let's go match by match and give real quick thoughts on all of them. And then if uh, we need to talk about the six man from the the final night of shows or anything on Kyoto that we might have missed, we can circle back to those. Okay. Yep, that sounds good. So the Aichi upload, it's up on YouTube. All King of Gate. We had four King of Gate matches there. Uh, Led off Ishin versus Minorita. Ishan won advancing on to the second round with a low blow and then his modified scrap buster. But case we have a name for that now, it's the Gene Chu. As I think we got th- this match here, the display of this is what Ishan the Power Junior truly is. Yeah, this is, I, I think John Hernandez was talking about this where you can kind of start to see what a possible Ishan prolonged Bravegate run would look like just based out of this match. And it's a guy who... You know, I, 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 I'm not comparing him to this wrestler, but I am comparing elements of how he wrestles to this guy. He's got a little bit of Shingo in him. You know, he he hits really hard and he moves really fast. And in Drangi, that has always been a winning combination. Yeah, and especially against Minorita, this was something where you got to see like this really nice chemistry between the two of them where that he got to power him around there. Like you said, like he was very, ex- his explosive energy, I think is something that he is really added to. And it's added a lot with like now having the choke slam, he has the gene chew and then also always the death penalty there. He feels a lot more complete, but the one thing from this match I'm taking away from, there was a uh, attempt at the Komada choke slam that Menorita turned into this really crazy victory roll towards the end in the closing stretch that I thought was insane. Yeah, this was really good stuff. It's it's another reminder where it's like, damn, Minorita is really good. And and Ishin uh, is not on his level all the time, but certainly matched his level in this match. Yeah, I, I think after we were having some questions about it, I think that 
I, I think without reservation, at least I can say Ishan's in a much stronger place than he was in February. Yes. And then as we continue looking at King of Gate from Aichi, we had the second round match. This one was the one that we kind of had our eye on with an eyebrow raise. As Strongmi Shinje has been absent since Kobe World, made his return for this match against Yuzushi Kanda in the King of Gate 2023 first round. Yazushi Kanda continues his revolutionary year with a with a candy magic out of the machine suplex to advance on. But I think really the story of this was Jake selling his shoulder, coming out in the blast mask, feels it felt a little weird to me, this match. I think he wrestled like a guy that needs to have work done on his shoulder, but did the company a favor and wrestled this match. It, it felt uh, you know, to steal a phrase from our friends in Gleet, it felt almost a little bit like a training session, uh, an, an exhibition, if you will. Yeah, it was something where Jay was consistently like selling the shoulder all throughout. And it just like what well, we talked about this last week, that is it going to be that he got the win over Conda to feed into the Rewa six thing? Or is it going to continue Conda's uh, Cinderella year? And we saw the Cinderella year there and kind of got strong machine jay i like the interesting thing is he wasn't taped up whatsoever during this yeah yeah i i i can't put a ton of stock into that uh but it, you're right it, it is a little peculiar that he wasn't taped up but he just i he moved he moved slow you know and that's not a wrestler that usually moves slow i just i he, he really kind of looked like a guy that didn't want to be there yep no that's and it was only an eight minute match so it was really kind of Maybe it was like we we've already had one person pull out. We're having Ben K got sick. We need you. Can you give us eight minutes? Like that was kind of my takeaway too. Yep. And then the third match we had for King of Gate 2023 first round. This was my match of the night case. Uh, Yuki Yoshioka versus Jackie Funky Kame. Uh, Yoshioka wins with the flashbang. This is a um, at least a new move for the streams that I've seen. It's Best way to describe it is kind of like a total whirl blue thunder bomb where we got to see some shades of nasty Yuki there. This was my favorite match of the weekend. I almost went notebook on this and I seem to be higher on it than you. I was higher on it than John and his write up. I am so continuously blown away by the way that Kamei just makes everything better. He is just one of those special athletes, and you see it in team sports sometimes. You see it just in life. There are some people that are just good to have around, and they're not superstars, and they're not managers and bosses and leaders, but they just make everything better. And Kamei has really become that guy. It's why when we did a few months ago, you know, we talked about the best big match wrestlers in Dragon Gate, and Kamei, if he is not in your top five, then you're not paying attention because every time... He is given a chance to really show how talented he is. And it's not that he's short for opportunity. It's just he's surrounded by talented guys. But, you know, you get a Kamei singles match or you get a multi-man match that really means something. And it just jumps off the screen. This is a special professional wrestler. He's big shot, Jack. He is. That's the thing. Like, you know, here you go into the finishing stretch. and He, he hits the Torbellino and he goes for the roll up and Yoshioka is able to stay with him there. And then they go through this sequence where they hit each other really hard. And it's kind of this new, newer version of Kamei that I like to see where he's able to dish it and take it. And then, you know, you go through the finish and Yoshioka looks dominant in the win. But what struck me here was 
you know, uh, not not an indictment on Yoshioka by any means, more of just praise towards Kamei, the almost despair when Yoshioka hit the frog splash and pinned him. This was a crowd that was 99% on Kamei's side, and Yoshioka really as this brute, as this heavy hitter, uh, not getting any of the, of the vocal support from the fan base, which I thought was very interesting. And he played into it, I yes. thought. I thought it was something where this was a... Kamei, and I think some of his biggest strengths is as a wrestler that he can take 95% of the heat in a match. He, You just give him a couple of comebacks and he's able to do this. And it was very comfortable seeing Yoshioka go around, essentially bully his junior in this match. And then you got to see Kamei pull it out and then try to apply to the closing stretch. And I mean, it, is it going to make my top 10 list of the tournament? No, but is it going to be one of the ones where I'm like, no, this is worth your time. It's it's a it's a sub ten minute match, and it was I hated it. Case I was three and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, I Kame is just he's a very special wrestler. I I think we'll hit a point. I've I've always compared him to being this generation's Genki Horiguchi, and I think we'll hit a point in one of these King of Gates where uh, Kame's not just there to put up a compelling loss. I think he'll be there to go a very long way in the tournament. And I think he's someone that when that time comes, he has enough with this audience that it'll be very easy for him that like, especially if it is a knockout format, King of Gate, like they don't have to do the full on Spirit 2003, but but use the Jackie knife instead of the backslide from heaven. But he has it in him that I, as much of how uh the ray uh sorry el numero 2003 was for kinky horiguchi there will be that coming up for kamei soon yep i completely agree and the last match we touched on it briefly uh hio defeating ut and ut's hometown with an echo tamashi in 13 minutes 31 seconds uh very fun match we talked about it a little bit earlier I liked it. There was a great Hikari no Wa attempt, uh, attempt in this match, something that I, I don't feel like I've seen UT do in quite a while. Uh, good match, and Hyo goes over, and it, it certainly creates intrigue as, as we go further along in UT's career. Indeed. Uh, moving on to Kyoto, we've touched on the opener. This was the Yamato Kagatora Nagano versus Kakuda Daya Hoho Loon match. Hoho Loon wins with his Michinoku driver. Next match, UT and Jason Lee versus Ishan and Kai. Death penalty by Ishan on UT to win this one. Yeah, I thought this was I thought this was pretty good. I enjoyed this. Yeah, it, it was something that, like, again, talking about UT, UT eating another fall in this. We talked about the eight-man tag uh, with Tanaka and Junior. Uh, King of Gate, second round match, the first second round match that made the service. Big Boss Shimizu versus Yazushi Kanda. Shot put slam in about three minutes. The Cinderella run is over. Big Boss Shimizu advances. Yep, no bullshit here. No, no fancy run for Kanda like in 2011. Shimizu beat him as he should have, and we we went on, we went on with our lives. This was okay. This was a three minute match, but I thought there was a lot to it. Like Kanda deciding very early, I can't pin this guy. All my moves require me lifting him up for like the Ryu's or something like that. I'm going to beat you on the outside. And then as soon as he got a left a moment of air shot, put slam, we're out of here. I thought that was perfect. Career year for Kanda, smart worker, smart worker. I, I, I did not rate this, but this was, this would make my five minute match list. I enjoyed it a lot. It was fun. 
Yep. Uh, KZ and JFK versus Hyo and Shun. Hyo turned the Turbolino into a Neko Tamashi. Uh, I this was the match that afterwards Shun beat down on Jason Lee. Uh, that was a really cool finish in this. Yes. Yeah. I had three different matches at three and three quarter stars this weekend. Um, obviously Yoshioka versus Kamei, which I just mentioned. I actually had four. I had one from each show. This was the uh the best match on this Kyoto show. I, I was so impressed by once again Kamei and then his chemistry with Shun in particular. Uh specifically, there's a moment of the match where Kamei is leaning pretty heavily into his pow 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 taunts and sort of pointing his, you know, his little air gun at Shun's head. And that does not work in the world of Shun Skywalker. And Kamei hit the ropes, and it was just absolutely obliterated with a lariat shortly thereafter. I really enjoyed that spot. So if you're going to watch one match from this show, it would not be the main event. It would actually be this one right here. Uh, do we think like Shun might be, or JFK might be Shun's best opponent? Hmm. Interesting question. That So he... Let, let, let me phrase this a little bit. So we have that five-star match. We we have their continued uh, uh, combinations throughout this here. And then I thought this match was entirely Shun and JFK. The only other person you can make the argument for is KZ. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And I'd probably take KZ. Now, the, the, the wild card here is Masaki Mochizuki, and I'm just desperately waiting for another Shun Mochi singles match because those two... You know, two historically great wrestlers, Mochizuki, obviously a top 10 guy. Those guys have special chemistry with one another. That That's just a different level, but they're not in the ring with one another very often, and it's maddening. So I would go KZ, Kamei, and then Mochi in my power rankings there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And then the main event was a King of Gate second round match, Dragon Kid versus Yuki Oshioka. Yuki Oshioka advanced with a frog splash where we got to see more mean Yuki. I, what what did you think about this match? I really dug a uh, kind of defensive dickhead uh, Yuki Oshioka trying to destroy Dragon Kid's knee for twelve minutes. I, I was I was afraid you were going to come on this show and rant and rave about how good this was, and it sounds like we're probably in the same ballpark here. I respected what they were going for. I get it. You want to dra- you want to ground Dragon Kid. You want to work his knees. I thought Yoshioka did that effectively. I just, it was missing a a little bit of pizzazz, a little sprinkle of excitement. It was very well worked. It was a good pro wrestling match. And it just feels like with these guys, it probably should have been better. Yeah, that like that was the thing. Like the uh, the knee work was was deliberate. It was strong, but it was not. It, it's one of those things of a dragon kid that like the the knee work always is kind of a thing. So it's like okay, now you're doing it. Uh, but then it it, it felt like that it could have had because the closing stretch I thought was the f- strongest part of this. I think with Yuki Oshioka, we could probably I there might be an an interesting conversation one day about best closing stretches in wrestling. Because I think Yuki Oshioka has a claim of that with the uh, with the battle hook into Darkness Buster Frog Splash usually, but I, I agree it, with that. But it felt like this was a match that whatever the middle stage was, it could have used a little bit more there. Yeah, yeah, it's just it was almost one where it's like the match started and I saw where they were going and I was like, all right, here we go, and it was fine. Again, it wasn't a bad match. I just, especially coming off of Yoshioka Kamei. 
And all the talk we've had about Dragon Kid lately was, you know, it, it was kind of one of those where it's a three and a half star match that you wish was a four and a half star match. You just you wish right. this was yeah. something you could go running to the town to tell them about. And it just wasn't that. Yep, that just was not there. Uh, moving to uh, Kanazawa, we had our one non-tournament match. Just want to touch on this quickly because you because Joe Gagne's a clip of it's gone around here. Susumu Mochizuki versus Chicky Chicky Shikawa. He was in Binke's costume. He took him to the outside and he got chopped really hard by what looked like a nine-year-old. It was awesome. Yep, go go watch that if you have not seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicky Chicky, I don't know if that's uh, Ichikawa's best character, but the chop itself was worth it. Uh, King of Gate second round on this show, it was KZ versus Hyo. Hyo won with a Neko Tamashi here in this. And really, KZ, uh, we talked about Backburner, like, the, the biggest moment I remember KZ from this weekend shows was the opening where he stopped Hio's posing by topeing on him. I, I loved this too. This was a great weekend for Hio. This just had a sort of rabid energy to it where I really wasn't sure what was going to happen next. It was really, you know, KZ is always very good. This was the best version of Hio where he just moved around the ring almost like a like a lightning bug. I just didn't know where he was going next. And it created this really interesting match. And then to break down the finish just for a second, you know, KZ has Hyo in that seated octopus hold, and the bell rings. And so KZ lets go of the hold. He thinks he's won. It turns out Ishin was the one that rang the bell. KZ gets distracted. He gets a backdrop drive where he pops up. He gives uh, Hyo the uppercut, and then Hyo slips out of the impact, hits the schoolboy, wins the match. I I was all about this. Again, another match I nearly won notebook on. Yeah, and you talk about chaos and that closing stretch, I thought, like, really encapsulates it. Like, it was something where there was a lot of natural vibes versus Zebrats going on with it, and then really, like, the whole sequence around that, that spider twist, and then Ishin, like... Because he was in that spider twist for a long enough time that I bought into it as a bell, as a finish, easily. And then I was like, oh, Ishan did it. Ishan did it, and then right in the closing stretch. I thought that that might have been the, the smartest finish they did all week. Yeah, really unique. I've never, I've never really seen them do a finish like that before. Yeah, it was really a whole lot of fun. And then also on this show, hometown hero Madoka Kakuda takes out Takashi Yoshida in the most controversial match of the weekend for Open the Voice Gate. Discus Lariat. I was four on this match, Case. Do you want me to lay out why why this is a great match? Go. You have the floor, Mike. Go ahead. Not very often do we get to see a vanquishing hero. And even less often do we get to see that hero vanquish in front of his hometown fans, screaming for him. And in a match where it was not a pretty match, it was not even what you would look at and say, that's a Dragon Gate match. You would watch this match and be like, oh, it looks like somehow both Yoshida and Kakuda were put in the champion carnival this year. It was not. It was a lot of hard hitting. It was a lot of just heavyweight heel feeling. No howling whatsoever. Yoshida dropped that because he knew he was coming into Kanazawa in case that is Madoka Kakuda territory. And Madoka Kakuda and his hometown can do no wrong. He puts out the cyber kong he takes out takashi yoshida and to the adornment of his town fans i just like the the idea of the match and i thought that the crowd was awesome and i just like 
it, it was something that you don't get to see the side out of Kakuda on a roster with a lot with nearly everyone except for Shimizu and Yoshida being smaller than him actually have a heavyweight match. And it was and I thought it was really kind of cool to have that kind of style of a heavyweight match here in the show. I liked it a lot. It's a, it's a really, I, I mean, this honestly, it's a very compelling argument you laid out and I might have to go back and rewatch this just to try to, to view it through the lens of a true heavyweight encounter for Kakuta as it stands in my mind. It was like a two and three quarter star match. It was, you know, it was serviceable. They, they, you know, Kakuta got worked over for a very long time and, in the end, he came out on top, and I thought, all right, that checks the box. That's what that match should have been. Fair enough. I, I, I know I'm on the island here by myself on this match. The, it, 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 as someone who is noted as not being a big Yoshida fan throughout his career, I know I'm just, you know, I, I'm here by myself liking this match. It's okay. Yeah, no, good for you. Yep. Uh, moving to Saitama, uh, we had two more King of Gate matches, Kota Minora versus Poncho Managa. Uh, Golden Rose, we got through this. Uh, and th- th- that's it for Punch Tomonaga and this King of Gate. Uh, three minutes. I-, I thought Punch had a great near fall. The crowd wasn't really into him at all, though. Well, yeah, it's Punch Tomonaga. But uh, maybe it is the fact that he got that win out in front of his hometown fans, but I was hoping to get a little bit of the babyface, like, underdog thing. No, no. And then Kota Minor basically just said, like, no, I'm done with you. You're going to eat my new Fire Thunder driver. No, it's like if Punch Tamanaga is the most successful guy to come out of your high school, you're like bummed about your high school. It's, there's no hometown homecoming there. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the last King of Gate match for the weekend, Ishan versus Shuji Kondo. Flying crucifix pen from Shuji Kondo here. Interesting match. I, I'm interested to see what, what your thoughts were on this one. I liked it, but I also, I think with Kondo, there's just a baseline there where I'm probably going to enjoy what I see. Uh, You know, they have a better match in them, but it also, it didn't seem like they were trying to go out there and have that match. It it seemed like a match, quite frankly, designed to have Kondo win, but also to protect Ishin as their Brave Gate champion. And if you view it through that lens, I thought they accomplished their goal there. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I feel like that this week, the second week of King Gate, was a lot of concept matches. Like, this was very much a hey, Ishan should really take it to Kondo. And they found a way that basically Ishan jumps him at the bell. He smothers him, essentially. That's what Ishan's offense is. I cannot let this guy stand up because if I stand up, he's going to start throwing me around and running into me and I'm going to lose. And yeah. I felt like with that concept, it was completely uh, successful i thought that the finish doing the crucifix coming out of another kamada uh choke slam attempt was really smart and it was something that i think that's kind of the deal with this week we had a lot of concept matches yeah and that's that to me has been the engaging part of this tournament is every match has felt a little bit different i've really enjoyed that aspect of it yeah well where were you on this i was three and a quarter yeah about the same okay and then we had the main event, the last match of the weekend. D-Courage, Madoka Kakuda, Yuki Yoshioka, and Dragon Daya versus Natural Vibes. KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu, and UT. UT ate the lowercase Inferno. We, we see that finish a lot on house shows, but not doesn't often make tape for Yuki Yoshioka. The Inferno being the second rope uh, lung blower that he did as Daya Inferno. This is one of those matches I, I, I'm going to try to sell as simply as I possibly can. 
Decourage and Vibes went all out and had a very good match. And if that sounds appealing to you, you should watch it. Yeah, just th- this was the closest thing to a traditional uh, Lucha sprint that happened for 15 minutes. Yeah, very much so. It was just it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah, and then the the, the closing stretch where it looked like it was UT and Daya and UT was looking like he was going to try to go for Passion or Hikari Noa, and instead uh, Daya goes, no, I'm just going to dive over the top rope. I thought was some the, one of the great things about the single cam on the floor and the YouTube uploads is that you get shots like that, and I thought that was incredible. I, I completely agree. I I, I, w- I wish I could add more, but I was going to bring that up, and, and you said it better than I could. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no, no, not at all. Let's talk about the rest of the tournament as we have it. Uh, we only have two shows this weekend. Uh, they are going to Kobe and Gifu. Uh, the uh, two matches on Kobe, Big Boss Shimizu, if he makes it, against Susumu Mochizuki. We'll see if Susumu Mochizuki's made an appearance in 2023's King of Gate as he enters the quarterfinals, as well as Shuji Kondo versus Madoka Kakuda. The other match for this weekend is, we talked about this one a bunch, Madoka Kakuda versus Yuki Yoshioka in their hometown of Gifu. And then the last quarterfinal will happen on the 29th. So next week, Dragon Daya versus Hio. Uh, Case, do you want me to go through the cards that we have for it? Go through Kobe because it's on the network. All right, so Kobe is on the network. It's from the Kobe Art Center. We're opening up with Yuki Yoshioka, Ryu Fuda, Kaito Nakano and Ryoya Tanaka versus Gold Class. Masaki Mochizuki, Yazushi Kanda Mochizuki Jr. versus Ginki Konamaui Chikawa and Sachi Hoko Boy. KZ and UT versus Don Fuji and Problem Dragon. Punch Tomonaga with teams with Dragon Kid and, Naru- and Naruki Toy versus Jason Lee, Jackie Funky Kame, and Ho Ho Loon. And then we have uh, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Takashi Yoshida, and Eita versus Shun, Kai, Hyo, and Ishin. And then those two King of Gate quarterfinal matches. Big Boss Shimizu versus Asumu Mochizuki and Madoka Kakuda versus Suji Kondo. Mike, let's close out with this. We've got three King of Gate matches this weekend. Like you just said, Shimizu versus Asumu, Kondo versus Kakuta, and then the next day, Minora versus Yoshioka. Give me your predictions on all three. Well, I... I think it's going to be Shimizu over... Yeah, Pudge, I know. It's going to be Shimizu over Mochizuki. It's garbage night tomorrow. So everyone's taking out their garbage because it's 104 okay. outside and no one wants to go outside when, it's at, when, it's, when the sun's still up. So Shimizu over Mochizuki. I can see Kondo going the upset over Kakuda here. That's a safe one to bow Kakuda out unless he's going to run the table at, or before Shimizu, then... Yeah, yeah, we're now at the point where I can see Kakuda losing 50-50 on that, and then uh, and, yeah, and you're, you're kind of a spot there, real quick. You're kind of at a spot there where it's beneficial because Kondo can beat Kakuta, and nothing really has to come of it. And Shimizu versus Kondo is an interesting semifinals. Right? Yeah. No, like the, this right side of the bracket, like even Susumu versus Kakuda, great match. Susumu versus Kondo, great match. But you really have a lot of options for Shimizu between Kakuda and Kondo. And and yeah, you don't have to have Kondo versus Kakuda at Dangerous Gate if Kondo wins here. Yep, I completely agree. And then what did you say for uh, Yoshioka Minora? Minora needs to get on the board there. Yep, I, I am with you. I'm going to go Minora. I'm going to go Shimizu. I'm going to go Kakuta. And we will go from there. King of Gate has been very exciting so far. A lot of good stuff. A lot of a lot of Dragon Gate content this past week. Even though there was only the one show on the network, the YouTube uploads are all almost an hour long. 
Uh, obviously, the King of Gate stuff there is very good. The multi-man match from the Saitama show was great. Uh, there's just a lot of Dragon Gate out there right now, and it feels very good. You know, I, I've enjoyed this tournament so far. So did, now that we're deep in the tournament here, how do you feel about doing this tournament right after Kobe World? I think this was the move. Yeah, I, I really think so. It, 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 especially with the fact that Dangerous Gate is usually like eight weeks after Kobe World, and it's really hard to kind of get things going. Why not do your single tournament right after it? Yeah, you know, it, it'll be interesting next year because you have the new big show at Yokohama Budokan, which, by the way, did you see that show was called The Gate of Bayside? Yeah, I was wondering in, in the back of my head what they were going to call it, Gate of Bayside. I'm okay with that. It's unique. It's it's going to... It's going to be easy to SEO that. It's going to be very searchable, which I which I like. Like Gate of Victory, always a little hard to search for. Gate of Bayside, that's going to be pretty easy to search for. Um, but you'll have that in January. I like the idea of doing Ray Day Parejas right after that. And then, you know, if you can do World and the King of Gate again next year, I, I, I like the way this has come across so far. Yeah, the, the schedule... A perspective 2024 schedule feels a lot more balanced where it's never felt that way before. It's always felt like, okay, the first eight weeks of the year, basically until Champion Gate, you can do whatever. It does not really register. And then you have all those weeks before Dead or Alive with Memorial Gate somewhere in that. But now you kind of have stuff there that there's no dead time, at least on the periphery for 2024. Yep, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yep, and I unless you have anything else, I think that's we're gonna. I think that's it for this week. Oh, we're right at ninety minutes. I got nothing more to add. Yeah, hey, I mean, this is actually a, a little shorter than us getting out of Kobe World. Like, gosh, uh, hour and a half only. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Cases underscore in your case. I'm at Fuji Heya. Uh, did not talk about this uh, earlier on the show. I did a episode of the Long and Winding Royal Road of WH Park that went live on Saturday about the history and, and really the, the entire biography of Stan Hansen. If, if that's something that folks are interested in, I thoroughly enjoyed doing that show. Got a lot of really positive feedback and thanks to, of course, everyone over at Post and WH for having me and thanks for all the kind words. I, I look forward to listening. It is, Case, it is a wild, he has a wild biography. That that's a, that's why I'll leave it at. He's the one person who was there in the eighties who was able to kind of talk about it and just like the stuff that like he he played football with Bruiser Brody and and he like randomly saw Bruiser Brody in wrestling again. Like that's how like well how would you feel like if your weird high high school or college friend instantly becomes like the person that you're essentially tied to in wrestling? I'd I'd be greatly disturbed knowing the people that I've hung out with in my life. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if, if i want to see like one of the hot couch guys from my uh from my high school career and my job yeah <laughs> but yeah that's gonna do it this week on open the voice gate we'll be back with you next week talking about the shows from kobe and gifu take care everyone Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you, you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot.